Welcome everyone to your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you for what will probably be the final time ever about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., our look back at the seven seasons. Pete, this has been the Fantastic Geek uh, starting point. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was. Uh, it, it just, I still can't quite believe that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone, but hopefully we can uh, properly reflect on the show today. And certainly it's been, it's been quite a journey podcasting with S.H.I.E.L.D., and uh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah, just a quick thanks to listeners for their patience. We had announced that we would podcast this a week earlier. Obviously, we were responding to the stunning announcement of the death of Chadwick Boseman from colon cancer last week. Um, and thanks to everybody for their, their feedback on the podcast we put together for that. Well, Pete, let's dive on in now to to fully reflecting about S.H.I.E.L.D. What were some of the episode highlights for you? I, I have to go back to the very beginning, and I think that's the best way to really look at this. The idea that we had the show spin off from the cinematic universe, I think very vividly back to September of 2013, seems so long ago. Um, you know, the, the child looking in the, uh, store window and, you know, the way to have our heroes from the movies other than Coulson, uh, but to not really have them, you know, the action figures there, you got Iron Man, you got Hulk, et cetera, et cetera. And to, to launch it in such a way and to lead off 300 plus hours of, of Marvel television, I think the very creation of the show and the carrying over the resurrection, Matt, of Clark Gregg's Agent Coulson, hashtag Coulson Lives, um, you know, being an absolute highlight. Yeah, and I think while while I remember watching that pilot episode and it's not the best pilot episode I've ever seen, I think part of it was... It was the fact that that as an episode had to tell you what to expect and what not to expect. We, of course, were not as deep in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films where, you know, sometimes it's a heist film and sometimes it's a trippy Magic Man film. The, the movies had been a bit more similar. And for for the show, it had this task to sell you on what it was, to sell you on what it was not. You know, we're not going to have Thor stopping by this week and Iron Man two weeks from now. Uh, but also it had that ambition, you know, shooting some scenes in uh, in Paris, in Germany as well, I believe, and kind of having that international feel, some of which fell away in terms of actual location shooting as the time went on, as the show's time went on. But it was a great starting point to just say, this is what this show is about, which honestly was the introduction of the characters. Because I think through thick and thin, through ups and downs, it's the characters that we really connected with. You know, we got our Stan Lee cameo in that first season. Um, obviously, the the big turning point for the, the whole show was the reveal of Hydra that happens in Captain America Winter Soldier. But 
you know, this was a show that was beginning to tip some of the things other than that that were coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, particularly that cosmic side that has since exploded. You know, they went to the to the Cree blood. They were previewing stuff that, you know, would happen in Guardians of the Galaxy, which wasn't a thing on the film side yet in that first season. Well, I think you speak to some of the strengths of the show, which is because there were so many hours of story to fill, it, it the show was all over the map. And I mean that as, as nothing but a compliment. You had to go Cree blood. You had to go space. You had to go magic sometimes. You had to go bottle episodes because presumably uh, the finances dictated it. And there wasn't, there wasn't that ability as there is with Marvel films to you know, go have a long weekend five hours away from LA and rent a big house and really kick around ideas and to walk away with, you know, a great guardians paragraph and a great Dr. Strange paragraph and a great Ant-Man paragraph, all of which can be fleshed into movies because you just need to fill two, two and a half hours. The show, particularly in that first season, uh, particularly as I think it was waiting to kind of sync up with what became the Hydra reveal storyline and all that, it was just exploring all sorts of corners, some of them less successful than others, but it was just, it could just go wherever and do whatever it needed in the best sense possible. Yeah. I think early on there was a decidedly comic booky tone. I think of some of the more one-off adventures in that first season, but hitting its stride later in that first season and then, you know, I have very vivid recollections of uh, season two and three and how particularly towards the end of them, we were always on pins and needles. Would the show be coming back? And, you know, some of the things going on in those seasons in terms of, all right, now they got into Inhumans and, you know, the, the storyline there and obviously turning... Uh, Sky into Daisy into Quake and then the third season with everything that went on in terms of the the storyline of the the floating necklace and who would be in the Quinjet and and save them all and everything like that I, I think those first three seasons much like the show moved later on to pods I think of those first three seasons as one pod of of their own yeah there was there was an ambitiousness in those first seasons which again i don't mean to suggest that the later ones didn't have it but I, I think of season two in particular as you know the way things kicked off where i mean i, I remember in that first episode oh, look, they're introducing three new agents. And then one, I believe it was Tahoe, gets killed kind of immediately. And I, I think out of that, you get uh, Isabel Hartley, played by Lucy Lawless. And, oh, she must be joining the cast full time. And then there's all sorts of twists and turns. I don't think that the show, at that point, the show was not acting like the ratings were going down, like there had been a uh, a reduction in uh, in budget. And indeed, there might not have been heading to the second season i do suspect probably each season there was there was a tightening of the belt um you know season by season from there but it's like again the show didn't know in those first couple seasons that there were 
bear points that there was that that there wasn't infinite road ahead things of that sort certainly was before you know any concern of uh cancellation uh whether it's agent carter cancellation or or the uh the nick blood adrian palicki uh spinoff not happening so it kind of was things were evergreen and there was a certain you know a certain kind of pop to the way the show walked in those first three seasons where it was just everything was possible think of the representation that this cast both the original group you know obviously Ming-Na Wen as uh, Agent May and you know Chloe Bennett as Daisy but then the additions that they made uh that just enhanced the show over the the longer run with Mac and Yo-Yo and then you bring in obviously uh, Hunter and, and Bobby, who we thought, yeah, they they might spin off to their own show. It just didn't stick, and everything there. But you know, I, I think the the thing they did was to build out the cast and and make the cast realistic over the course of the run and that family as every show cast tends to become a a family in and among themselves became our surrogate family yeah particularly in in season three season four you know i'm just thinking of say the season posters they keep adding faces and adding people and you know certainly to the benefit of the show and I think that the loss of some of those characters, I mean, my goodness, you think of you think of Luke Mitchell, still beloved by Shield fans, and really just that sense, Pete, that that all these these additions uh not only kind of added to the show being better reflective of uh of the audience at large, but they really represented characters that we enjoyed having on screen. Yeah, and you know, Fitzsimmons being the the creation that came as a result of this series and carried through for seven seasons and ending up the way they do obviously important. But like I said, you know, we, we begin with Colson. There's no show without Colson. Um, you bring Daisy to this, uh, was may always used to the, the best of the ability. I, I don't think so. Uh, I think, you know, the reaction of a lot of fans towards the end in particular shows that. But again, as far as the incomparable Ming-Na Wen, Disney legend Ming-Na Wen, um, you know, what with Mulan hitting Disney Plus yesterday and and everything there, uh, you know, great that she was attached to this for seven years. I mean, think about it, Matt, of, of all the work that she's done. You know, whether it's going to be Mulan or ER or, you know, Stargate or all these things, the the largest body of work that she had was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to this point. Absolutely. And were there too many episodes uh, where, A, she was either just flying the plane and it'd be like, all right, it's landed. I opened the I opened the back. Get out of here, everybody. Go do your mission. I'll be here when you get back. There were things like that or many, many episodes where she would be on the mission and she'd be like, I'll go over there and she'd run off camera. I have Pete. I have one image 
from an episode probably around season four or so in my head i don't remember what the story was but they're outside a mansion i think she had driven a box truck in or somebody had driven a box truck and it literally was a case of i will go left the rest of you go right and everybody else goes right and we stick with them as they you know go get the thing or beat up the bad guys or whatever and they meet back at the box truck and may runs back from the left hand side and is like and I beat up my bad guys too. And it was like, <laughs> she just had, maybe it was shot and not made the edit. I don't know. But in the final product, she just had a whole adventure that was entirely off screen. What's going on? You know, the show was rarely perfect, but you know, Pete, I'll take, I'll take not enough Ming-Na Wen in my show versus no Ming-Na Wen at all. Absolutely. And the, the spy superhero mashup that this was, and then you bring in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it had exploded in popularity, what with the Avengers and people who had been aware of those characters and then went back and watched the other films or had already been with it and everything there. I mean, it would have been... And, and you look back, woulda, coulda, shoulda, in terms of being able to keep people with the show. It's the nature of a, a TV show that's going to run seven years for obviously the audience to bleed off this a little bit more uh, so because of the nature of an expanded and expansive universe. Um, but, you know, we look back at this, I, I think seven years would have been a really good outcome if not the desired outcome when they were drawing this up and you know we were getting ready in the spring of 2013 and we stuck the old fantastic geek flag in this and said this is going to be the one we podcast yeah certainly heck of a run and Interesting that the midpoint of the series um, is also a bit of a narrative turning point. I'm talking about season four. Uh, you, you have the pods. Um, you have the show's always had great special effects, but I think that the Ghost Rider effects, which were obviously visual effects, digital effects, but integrated into live action stuff, I don't know that it got better than that. Uh, again, there might be more razzle dazzle effects later on in the show's run. But all, you know, but much of it being kind of all digital, you know, stuff in space and things of that sort. Uh, I, I think of the madcap, not quite tongue in cheek, but the the, the LMD storyline where it's kind of increasingly paranoid. And then there's this breaking point where it's just a shell game and you're having fun. You're having fun not knowing who's who and what's what. And then the Agents of Hydra storyline with with not just the ability to do a what if scenario but also the political commentary there and kind of the show's response to uh the 2016 election uh that's a high point i know i've said it before i guess i'm partially surprised that subsequent seasons didn't necessarily fully carry over takeaways from season four in terms of let's really push a, a big integration of visual effects into live action maybe that was prohibitive uh in terms of expense let's kind of lean into some of the zaniness of lmd of lmd uh and perhaps most shocking of all i feel like they nailed the political commentary storyline that they were going for for agents of hydra uh i think fans responded very highly i don't think there was any sort of you know hashtag not my agents of shield right, and you know right. kind of this sort of nonsense 
I'm surprised they didn't continue forward with that um, when I think they could have and the, the audience decreasing as it was would have I would have either been fine with it or fully embraced it. I think they had largely said what they wanted to say there. I mean, if we're going to say that connecting that, that spinning off from and connecting to the film universe was important. Um, yes. But like you're saying, I think the show's finest hour was in that agents of Hydra pod, you know, pretty much smack, middle in their run you know the 82nd through the 88th episodes the end of the fourth season fully their own thing uh i mean come on they brought in the patriot which is their version of captain america i i think i differ from your opinion there in terms of well what did they do going forward lmds were always a thing the framework was constantly referenced that they had viewed these alternate visions of the way things could have gone and instead, you know, hamstrung by the things that had happened, that Mac had lost a daughter, uh, that they lost uh, the the Patriot uh, in this virtual world. Um, I, I think that was the true culmination. Yes, we did get a, a believed at the time finale at the end of the fifth season and then the final final finale in in season seven but you know the sterling time for that show was you know the end of season four as i've mentioned in the past as well i think now that the show lives uh probably exclusively in the world of rewatch you know, you can kind of choose your own ending. Like if, if season five isn't as good as season four for you, okay, you can you can pause your fervent one or two episode a night rewatch after season four. Uh, if you don't like where they went with a reduced budget and with the kind of story twisting and turning of seasons six and seven, then you have, as you said, Pete, you have a workable series finale at the end of season five. And I think that that is something that people do with beloved shows when they when they have their rewatch there's a certain point where for you personally it's not the show that you fell in love with anymore okay well you can be your own editor and you can stop at the point that you want to stop and if then you want to the next night go back and start at the beginning while having stopped at your end that's perfectly fine as well i think creatively too the slightest bit of fatigue set in and it's evident in terms of how the network positioned them, you know, that fifth season doesn't come back until December. And then after that, we're flipping back to summer releases. And again, yes, it was a, you know, 11th and a half hour renewal for a sixth and seventh season simultaneously with the proviso of that's it. They're done after that. And Oh yeah. 13 episodes each. So uh, you know, a, a 26 across two seasons filmed with, you know, that that break in between. And we finally just aired something that was filmed, you know, a little bit more than a year ago. Uh, and I don't think that's a knock. Again, you know, seven seasons is a really, really great run. There's so many shows that never get there. There's so many that would sign up for that. Um, you know, in their conception 
that you know show business is a difficult thing and here with the the backing of marvel and the connection to it and everything like that um you know i i don't think there there should be you know any disappointment looking back at it absolutely and even with even some of the shortcomings for season six and season seven i i kind of relate it to you know the original star trek and the animated series that followed it where if you wanted more well you got more and it might not have been exactly where you wanted it but you know would you like some dessert you can make that choice and uh certainly ultimately this entire uh you know this entire run of the series was was a welcome one even with uh even some of the less beloved episodes in there let's talk about some of the antagonists matt the villains as we went along any favorites on your end i mean ada aka madam hydra i i think the way the way in the ghost rider pod she was just barely in there. I mean, I guess kind of even in that, even in that season three finale where we don't see her, it's just kind of like hinted at, oh, there's going to be a robot lady. Okay, there's this. And, and, and you didn't have the sense watching the Ghost Rider pod that they were setting up an LMD pod. It was just the B plot, the C plot. And then all of a sudden, bam, it comes in. And now she's more at the forefront. And then double bam, even more, she's now the all but black hatted villain uh for for agents of hydra just you know a character that was literally i mean i think there were points pete look you and i you and i uh appreciate a pretty image on screen but there were times where it's like is she just kind of here to be pretty you know on this show where people are progressive and and you know either presented as smart or presented as you can fight well or you can fly well is she just kind of here as eye candy and no it was this long con for her to be ultimately you know kind of the the, the great villain of the season and i would argue the best villain of the series i would agree and the way that mallory jansen had portrayed her initially as this doe-eyed assistant robot and you know what what tips it over into i think the the series greatest villain is not just the robotic aspect and the idea that could be anybody with the lmds but then the madam hydra persona and everything going on there you know and and again back to the integration of the mcu you know they're they're in the triskelion and i just think of that great image maybe one of the top images of the series of her being tossed out a window <laughs> uh, through it. Um, you know, just really, really a, a highlight. Um, nowhere near as close, but still a good one. And I think the, the culmination of, of his storyline was how Ward became Hive. And, you know, then again, and, and Mark Kolpak, you know, not a cast member, um, but, you know, somebody as intimately involved in the success of the seven year run of this show as anybody uh, with the with the digital expertise there to, to on TV to make, you know, a squid headed uh, bad guy, uh, even in the, the, the little bits that we got, you know, camera believable. Well, that's just it, is you could see Brett Dalton under there. And I remember I had 
uh, tweeted a technical question uh, at Mark Hallpack in terms of how they were doing this. I I don't remember the particular response, but just it was all in this notion of I know there's not a he's not wearing a mask there. It's not that his skin is moving rubber to make it look like this. And it looked so believably Brett Dalton, but also so believably, you know, squid alien uh, threat and all of that. Um, he definitely stood out. I mean, Ruth Nega as Reina stood out as well. I think somebody who was a sympathetic villain. And the success uh, that she's gone on to, you know, starting with with a role here being a springboard. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to to say, you know, uh, Academy Award nominee Ruth Nega was in was in this show for for quite a run uh, is certainly a, a feather in the cap of Shield. I have to mention too, Pete. I know that this actor did not single handedly breathe life back into Agents of Shield, but I remember that winter in the first season where you know there's two episodes in January and one of them's like you know january 3rd or january 4th or whatever you're kind of barely out of the holidays it's all oh, shield and then we'll do the podcast okay and then there was like one episode in february and two episodes in march and it was like is this show getting you know killed on the schedule the ratings are down what's going on and then bill paxton's john garrett comes in and yes there was a plan all along if the, you know assuming the show was was uh you know went past 13 episodes they were going to do this thing it was going to tie into captain america blah 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 but as soon as bill paxton shows up as soon as john garrett is there to help lead the search for the clairvoyant wink wink it's him that's when you could just feel the blood rushing back into this show uh and 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 it was meeting kind of what we had hoped back in the fall and before Absolutely. And, you know, a performer taken from us too soon. And then, you know, another one with Powers Booth in that third season, somebody who is in the Avengers movie brought over to this, you know, one of the eternal knocks is, oh, you know, the, the TV universe is not connected to the film universe. And the number of times that it's done on this show, could it have been more connected? It absolutely could have. Um, but to reach into the Avengers yet again uh, and to take Powers Booth over and to give him this this turn against our agents um, and, you know, one of the, the later things in his career that he did, um, you know, was he the, the greatest of all their villains? He wasn't, but, you know, super solid, uh, you know, upper echelon to be sure. Oh, and I mean, Hollywood... Hollywood royalty as they come. I mean, somebody with his with his career and whatnot. I mean, it's again looking at the show as a whole here. The number of people that have been on it, whether it's Jamie Alexander as Sif for the time she was able to, and then then uh, you know her her own TV career took off. To have had Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, Kobe Smulders, Maria Hill. I mean, it's just. It's a it's a huge meal that we were given over seven seasons, and I think maybe there's the potential with season six and seven, especially six, not being the highest highs, uh, with it kind of becoming apparent that the budget had had declined in later seasons. I think sometimes we forget the the entire seven season run was just this huge expansive thing. Matt, I can't really see you right now as we're recording this in a darkened interior hallway. 
Uh, well, you know what, Pete? After Shield moved out, we it took over like the White House. Seasons five through part of seven. <laughs> I'm sitting in the Rockbreakers office. Uh, you're there in what will become uh, what, what will become the uh, I don't know the Lemon Growing Room. It's all it, it's all connected, literally underground. <laughs> if we're gonna talk lowlights in terms of villains, Matt, who who would you who would you focus on? I mean, I know we had kicked around Izell. I don't know that that... I, certainly, it's not the fault of the actress. I think that kind of the somewhat goofy haircut, the... I appreciate the fact that... You don't that like she, a, a pink mushroom cut on a on an alien uh, bad guy? I mean, think what it could have been if they had gone for a slightly more alien look, or think... I, I don't know. I, I still remember being unimpressed at the turn that she's actually not a friendly person, she's a foe. Maybe that's more just kind of general Marvel fatigue in terms of so many of the movies use that, and you can kind of set your watch to, oh, here's a really helpful, uh, amiable person. Uh, we're 20 minutes into the movie. Uh, I bet in 48 minutes they're going to say, but it was me all along, Tony. I'm going to steal the plans, you know, or whatever. So maybe there's a bit of that, too. I just kind of feel like probably she as a character was not helped by the fact that Sarge was also the villain and we weren't fully committed. I shouldn't say, well, maybe I should say we. We, the audience, did not fully believe that this was Sarge, not Coulson, and he was only bad. So kind of like Izell comes in, she's not fully, she's not presenting as bad in the beginning, Sarge is presenting as bad, but we don't quite buy it because we think it's Coulson who's, you know, taking a, you know, sleeping beauty nap or something. Right. And I think all of that slides to Izell because at the end of the day, we're like, oh, Clark Gregg playing some other guy. I could never hate you. The sixth season, you know, and it's like with Simpsons, people point to, well, these are the, the seasons to watch. And then after this point, you know, it, it's it's a line of demarcation and that sixth season, while there are some good things that come out of it and there's some, some fun that happens in it, you know, I think of fear and loathing on the planet of Kitson and, you know, the, the bar story there and, you know, Enoch, um, you know, that we get to see more of in, in season seven as a result of what happens in season six and season seven really helping to redeem some of the perceived flaws of season six. But season six is the proverbial soup sandwich. I think you raise a good point, though, uh, and I'll restate it as this. You only ever see these episodes for the first time once. Then thereafter, it's always on rewatch. So... I don't think you or I ever complained uh, about about Enoch as a character, but let's suppose someone is, you know, a handful of episodes into season six and Enoch is there and you're saying, all right, this guy, this Mr. Data ripoff who's just all monotone, you're only going to think that the first time you watch. Henceforth, you're always going to forever say, and he became Fitz's friend, and he sacrificed himself for the team, and he still was able to come back, and he saved the day by sending all those parts across time. You know, so you kind of, you carry the baggage of the future uh, on a rewatch, and hopefully when we re-meet this show on individual rewatches, 
uh, on our own schedule, whatever it might be. I think that we'll hopefully we'll find all of this to be even more golden. Would you have ever guessed, Matt, as we saw 15 minutes of the fifth season premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at New York Comic Con, like we saw so much early, really kind of the unofficial con of the show, the place where Coulson lives really got cranking, um, that the very beginning of that fifth season, we are introduced to Enoch. Would you imagine that three years later, we'd watched the character die and a beloved character when we were introduced to him? I mean, no way, no how. It's a, it's cool enough that he's actually an alien under the skin, but again, the character kind of appears to be so kind of monotone in one note that, 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 the fact that there was a rainbow behind there, I don't think anyone saw coming, but boy, we felt it. On that note, Pete, we feel, we've been told, that this is end of the line for S.H.I.E.L.D. I know last week when we had, uh, hopefully in an understated way, announced that we were not going to be uh, doing the series finale last weekend, uh, wrong timing due to the passing of Chadwick Boseman, I got a response from somebody, you know, no, it's not the end. And, and you had kind of clarified, you know, well, that's right, because we're going to be recording our, our finale podcast next weekend and uh that that twitter user adamant that this was not the end of agents of shield so what are your thoughts there does the show come back in some capacity do these characters come back in some capacity what's that timeline etc well i've missed a eighth season renewal of the show uh there's going to be an auction for a lot of the costumes and props and the sets have been struck for uh, more than a year at this point. So I'm pretty sure agents of shield is over. Could these characters come back? There's been a lot of speculation. Would they, would they spin off quake? There's a fan made trailer out there. It it's all right. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, the, the show was popular. It's not spin this character off now popular. Make the noise if you want that. You know, Coulson lived because the fans demanded it. Will there be as much of a grassroots effort for uh, Quake? I, I don't know that that's the case, particularly with the way that Marvel television is changing. Um, you know, th this will be it for us with Marvel TV. Uh, we're going to, of course, cover the, the coming Disney Plus shows, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision and Loki and all the other stuff they have in development after that. You know, are they going to reach back or instead just bring across, you know, the, the Mandalorian and now these marvel shows are are showing um with tv that tv can truly be film just on another device and i just don't think there's the wherewithal at this point you know to have a Fitzsimmons show does that mean they'll never show up again i i i can't say and i i really don't think um you know, we can roll that out at this point. I think that one potential early indicator 
is to keep an eye on the the former Marvel Netflix shows. Uh, I know that we have have been and frankly continue to be very down on the possibility of those shows returning. But the two year mark uh, of their earliest cancellations, uh, I believe, starts this month. In fact, yeah, uh, I think it was September. Iron Fist, that, man, Iron yeah. Fist can can come back, man. Um, but. You know, if you hear, let's say, between now and the end of the calendar year, uh, that there's some kind of movement on that front, whether it's, you know, ready to film in January or whether it's, all right, now we can legally announce that we're putting together a writing room to explore possibilities, you know, whatever that's going to look like. I think those shows have been gone long enough and there still is the fandom there where if, if Marvel wants to look at that as a possibility, they can. I don't know that Shield, frankly, has been gone long enough to properly assess from a from a business point of view, the business portion of show business, to say is this primed for a comeback? Uh, that said, Pete, I know you know in some sort of alternate universe, we're doing a Pretty Little Liars podcast, and that shows <laughs> remake or reboot or return or whatever is within the last year or two, the reboot is gone, and now they're already looking at rebooting the reboot. So truly anything is possible. I think we're just living in the world of what is likely versus not. I really think we're going to see Clark Gregg's Agent Coulson again. I think uh, Captain Marvel 2 would make a lot of sense if they're going to again explore in between times. Um, and particularly the way they've nailed the, uh, the de-aging. Um, so I definitely don't think we're done with him. Does Agent May show up in that? Uh, I would sign up for that right away. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, you know, they've, they've talked repeatedly how she's really going to kind of be the, the leader of the Avengers now. I, I think the, the one big disappointment is that we never got a reunion with uh, Agent Coulson and the Avengers, the knowledge of his survival, et cetera, et cetera, um, to this point. And I, I think that could be a great way to reach back across and, and to, you know, resolve that. Um, but as, as far as agencies of shield as a show, I, I think we have the seven seasons. We're always going to have these seven seasons and, you know, I, I think they're going to go in this other direction does, you know, do any of those characters show up in Falcon and the winter soldier or, WandaVision in the way that that's going to explore alternate realities or, you know, this Clark Gregg show up in the Loki show at some point. And, it, and again, the, the conception of those shows, not necessarily to be, you know, three, four five seasons, they're going to be like an eight hour movie. Um, you know, more than you've ever gotten of those characters before and being able to explore that. So it's, it's a different type of TV. It's, it's, you know, it's the hybridization of film and TV in terms of the scale and then the length of storytelling. Well, Pete, what are some of our listeners saying about this seven season run of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? So uh, we had an email here from J.T. Atkins and he writes in, uh, hope I'm not too late to comment for the S.H.I.E.L.D. wrap-up. Howdy, friends. 
Uh, here's a comment for your shield wrap up. If you like confession time, I did not originally embrace the MCU. Avengers was the first MCU film I saw in a theater, but I was immediately hooked and played catch up on the previous films at home and have stuck with the adventure since then, including this happy trip across the universe with the agents of shield. I'm very glad that dear departed Phil Coulson stepped out of the shadows in episode one. And I'm equally happy that he and Lola were ultimately given the chance to ride off into the sunset. It has been a boat of fun, or should I say bus load or Quinjet load or Zephyr load. I would like to comment briefly on one small element of the show that was handled with uncommon agility. TV shows sometimes feel uncertain how to handle a character of faith, but Mac McKenzie's presence on the show was handled naturally and with warmth. I'm going to guess that this is in no small benefit that Henry Simmons is himself a Christian, but it's a lot of fun to see his character's faith as a natural part of a diverse team. And they have fun with it without ever being disrespectful. When the mission required jumping into a portal located in a vat of molten liquid or molten metal, uh, I think it was Daisy who said, Think of it like Moses parting the Red Sea. And Mac nervously responds something like, You so are not going to use the Bible against me. In absolution, when Daisy was in despair because of the things she did under the control of Hive, Mac tries to reassure her and quotes, Memory is the scribe of the soul. Daisy asks, The Bible? Mac grins and responds, Aristotle. Come on, I have dimensions. It's a nice touch and indicative, I think, of a show that has a gentle, encouraging soul. I'm going to miss the team. Pete, as a bit of an allegory here, uh, I think back to uh, at New York Comic Con a couple years ago when we saw actor Robert Sheehan uh, at the the uh, Mortal Engines panel. Uh, not a good movie, not a great panel. Uh, but he also uh, a star of Umbrella Academy. And uh, I was watching it last night, actually, and I said to my wife, you know, this guy is not really acting when he plays Klaus. This is the personality that I saw from 20 feet away on stage, you know, for the Mortal Engines panel. My point being, I think for S.H.I.E.L.D., I think these characters are at their best, you know, after that initial adjustment period, uh, as any show has, when these characters settle into the actors and when the actors settle into the characters, and those two are, those are two different things, I think that's when you really see a certain honesty. Uh, Henry Simmons as a man of faith when that's when that too is a part of his character it feels it feels authentic uh, you know the fact that Ian DeCastaker who is a bit standoffish when it comes to you know social media and a ton of public interaction you know should we then be surprised that that Fitz is always somehow lost and away from the action you know things of that sort where it just there's this there's this human connection that we feel through the TV screen. And I think that the, the JT is, is connecting to that as well. 
Pete, part of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. journey, of course, has been connecting to, uh, to, to other comic book properties and to the MCU, etc. So in that spirit, a uh, quick email here from 084 who says, saw New Mutants at the drive-in tonight, and it wasn't a bad time. Decent teen horror with some Marvel flavor. Sunspot's casting and character work were the main weak spots for me, but I thought everyone else uh, in the cast was great. We also finally have a Marvel movie with a gay protagonist, and her relationship with Wolf Spain was completely normalized. All in all, I'm glad that Fox's Marvel production can go on out on a positive note. Uh, I also have to say that I'm still heartbroken, uh, in heartbroken shock over the Chadwick Boseman news. We simply can't take anyone or anything for granted. I'll always appreciate his dedication to the craft and the storytelling that has impacted me so much. Definitely appreciate the heads up there on New Mutants. It's not something Matt and I are going to rush to a theater to see. It's nice to know that there's some drive-throughs out there, uh, drive-ins doing it. Unfortunately, nothing around us in, in Jersey, uh, but we will get to it at some point. Pete, an email here from uh, from Nathan Cohen unmasking himself by the way he, he he references his twitter name in the first sentence here so i won't spoil it but uh a very thoughtful email from him which i'll read right now hey guys it's your boy dj black 357 aka frank castle whichever works for you i know it's last minute but i wanted to write in for the final agents of shield podcast i would just like to say i've enjoyed listening to you two gentlemen for the past six seasons six because i found you guys uh, in the first part of season two as much as I enjoyed watching the show. The final season was fantastic, minus the bad villains, but since Ada, they all have fallen flat, although I did like the whole Talbot-Ruby-Hale dynamic in Season 5. As a Game of Thrones fan, this final season for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was done so much better and did not feel rushed at all. Pete, I'll pause his words for a moment here. I had never thought of those two shows in that relationship, I would yeah. agree. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. final season, better than multiple Emmy winner, most ambitious television show <laughs> of all time, Game of Thrones. Uh, but back to back to Mr. DJ's words here. As for the final episode, I feel like I'm in the minority for the fandom, but I really, really liked it. To me, they gave us a great S.H.I.E.L.D. episode and left just enough time for us to have our hearts broken and say goodbye. I know everyone didn't get the ending they wanted, but I wish the fans could just sit back and appreciate the amazing show that we were so lucky to have. So I'll try not to take up too much more of your time, but here are some of my favorite things from the series. Favorite episodes, Self-Control, 4,722 Hours, What They Become, and The Dirty Half Dozen. Self-Control is hands down the best episode of the series. Chloe and Elizabeth do not get enough credit for how great they were in that episode. Favorite characters would have to be Daisy and Mac. Not including Clark and Ming, I think Elizabeth was the strongest actor on the show over the long run. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that specifically, as you do have a bit more knowledge in the field than I do. Best villain was Ada, no question, but my favorite villain was season two, bear with me. Uh, season four was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s best season, even though I started it a little slow with the Ghost Rider arc, but quickly picked up with the LMD and Framework arcs. So season two is my favorite season, which I've come to find out is an unpopular decision. Most of the fans put it at the bottom. From the opening scene when Sky, at the time, slides down the rope and radios May, the entire tone of the show changed. We were done with the full house moments from season one and the dark side of the spy game. 
Also, I said season two is my favorite villain because just look at what the agents faced that season. They went up against Ward, Cal, Whitehall, Reyna, Jai Yang, and Bakshi. I mean, it ain't the 27 Yankees, but they have some hitters. <laughs> also underrated from that season is when Sky saves Lincoln from Hydra and has the amazing one-shot fight scene. No, not as good as Daredevil, but it was awesome and deserves some credit. Well, that's it for me, guys. Sorry if this was, a, this was a bit too long. I tried to get as much in as I could and not write a novel. I'll, I will be listening for more fantastic podcasts in the future from Fantastic Geek. Uh, so thank you so much for all your hard work, dedication, and everything you do for us. I only have one word for the Shaq and Kobe of the Marvel, uh, of the MCU <laughs> podcast community. Cool, in a Colson voice. P.S. For all the Ward haters out there, the fact that he has hated so much to this day should show you the impact that the character and actor had on the team and his show and should be recognized as such. So I want to say thanks to Brett Dalton, if no one else will. I'm not saying I'm Team Ward, but at least in the framework, he came home. So Pete, your thoughts there on Mr. DJ's words there. No, oh, really great email. Uh, the the one thing I, I really want to respond to, he talked about Elizabeth Hensred's uh, and the range she was able to show throughout seven seasons. And, you know, I really agree with that. And here's somebody who's now gotten into directing, you know, will will continue to do the acting has has booked another gig since then. But I think this is somebody who's a storyteller. Um, and I'm really looking forward to more from her, um, you know, getting, uh, Simmons, getting Elizabeth Hensridge as, as somebody, uh, you know, as a, as a known quantity now and, you know, what she can go on to do, we will always have this show to thank for that. I'll just add this, Pete, there were some apologies in there for the email being too long. You say what you want to say. Our inbox is always open. We'll always read it. And uh, we always love having the conversation. You know, and, and that's the thing about this, again, being the mothership, not just for Marvel TV, but for us as well. You know, so many of our listeners have, have come through this and then discovered the other podcasts we've we've grown to. And obviously, we can't do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. forever. We're not going to do looking back at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. week by week or whatever crazy schedule Matt was on when he was doing Lost. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to move on to new things and provide similar type of commentary and analysis as, as we've always done that. Um, and I think that really comes across, you know, it wasn't necessarily Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. related, but, you know, uh, James Killen had left a, a really thoughtful uh, message for us on Facebook. He was looking for a podcast and, you know, got the Chadwick Poseman uh, memorial that we had put up last week and, and talked about the importance there in terms of the representation and with Black Panther coming out and everything that that meant. And, you know, that Matt and I as two white males in Jersey talking about this and he is a black man and, and what it meant to him uh, and asked us, told us at the end, don't ever stop. And, you know, the, the thing that Matt and I take a lot of pride in starting with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then into all these other podcasts that we do is answering the bell, is consistently being there. 
um, and that at the core of Fantastic Geek, and and then also simultaneously to be looking at all perspectives. Um, and, you know, that's really our DNA. And we will always have this show to look back and be thankful for and, you know, grateful for the people that discovered us with it and, you know, stay with us after it. I think, too, this show helped set the Fantastic Geek template in terms of, as you say, Pete, answering the bell. I mean, I know I've mentioned it many times before on the podcast, but there was never anything quite like the experience during that first season of S.H.I.E.L.D. where we saw S.H.I.E.L.D. on, I think it was a Wednesday, then went to go see Captain America Civil War on the Thursday, which, by the way, the S.H.I.E.L.D. episode ended with a Captain America uh, you know, scene, which is no longer in the, 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 the streaming version of the show, then go see the movie, then back to see how it impacts S.H.I.E.L.D. and to just say, all right, well, we, we're doing the S.H.I.E.L.D. episode on, on whatever night we're doing the Captain America episode before the weekend is up, we're back to S.H.I.E.L.D. again. I look ahead to what we have uh, this fall. I know if all, if all goes according to plan and if theaters are, are a safe place to be, you know, we're going to have a nine-day period where there's going to be two episodes of Mandalorian, two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, and a Marvel movie. And is that going to be busy while we're also, you know, uh, <laughs> dealing with our jobs and families and getting ready for the holidays and whatnot? Sure. But I mean, that's the kind of bell answering that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has, has trained us for. And again, you know, with the amount of stuff that we've gone on to cover, um, all started there so it's always going to have this this special place in our hearts and you know intimately tied to what we do with fantastic geek so you know thank you to marvel thank you to all the creatives and the talent and you know the ride we've been on uh it's not the end matt it's the end for now indeed and whether Dear listener, you're subscribed to the Pop Culture Podcast feed or the Shield feed. Don't unsubscribe yet. You don't know what the what the road uh, ahead holds. You know, we could be though we're down on the prospect of Shield season eight. You know, Pete, there've been many times before where we say one thing and and fate serves us up the next day or the next week or the next month. You know, fate serves us serves us up different news. So. Hopefully the, the the subscription carries on, and certainly if there's ever any Shield-related news, we're going to be podcasting it. So in that sense, Pete, as you say, you know, it's the end for now. In the meantime, you can continue to listen for all the coming Disney Plus Marvel shows we're going to be uh, bringing you, though we don't have dates just yet, but, you know, we're as ready as we can be whenever Falcon and the Winter Soldier gets a, gets a date, whether WandaVision usurps that and jumps up first i think you know loki will definitely be the the last of that first three to to drop we're gonna cover hellstrom just not on the episode by episode model that uh we did with agents of shield um again that's that's more of a decision marvel's made for us by not using marvel uh you know to to promote it um, you know, and of course, we, we continue to cover Star Trek 
lower decks. We'll be bringing you that uh, tomorrow. We're going to be moving to Star Trek Saturdays uh, next week uh, with the conclusion of the first season of Lower Decks and, you know, into the uh, third season of Star Trek Discovery starting October 15th. We're going to do a Mandalorian Monday uh, this coming Monday. You know, what with the date announced now, Friday, October 30th for the uh, season two premiere that was just announced. And, uh, you know, Star Trek Day is Tuesday, September 8th. So a lot going on here around Fantastic Geek headquarters as a shield shuts down. But, you know, hope to bring you uh, Black Widow a little later in the year. Let's hope if it can't be in movie theaters, they can uh, Milan that thing on uh, Disney Plus. I, I think we we both uh, jump at the opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, what with uh, what Matt mentioned about the, the podcast, uh, not only don't unsubscribe, you know, if you haven't to this point, please leave us a rating, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts for what we feel has been the most comprehensive and timeliest of any of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts out there. And of course, this entire S.H.I.E.L.D. run has been made possible by those who support us on Patreon, helping make sure that those episodes are not only up each week, but that they're going to be staying up there due to that uh, due to that ongoing help on Patreon. So thanks to all those Patreon listeners. Thanks to all those Patreon supporters. Hopefully that is support that continues as well, keeping S.H.I.E.L.D. alive and with where we're headed in the future. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, and obviously that will continue and grow. Uh, so thanks again. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will live forever on Apple Podcasts, on our website, fantasticgeek.com, because specifically of those contributions. Hopefully that Marvel discussion, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. discussion can continue. So Pete, how can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. Uh, 11,506 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today well pete with that the hour draws near the end truly at hand so thanks again to all our listeners for these seven seasons of agents of shield our adventure continues though the shield podcast now comes to an end certainly a bittersweet moment but thanks again with that pete you get the final final agents of shield word farewell agents